You're listening to Faith That Works, a podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. This is Pastor Steve Nanny, and I'm so glad that you've tuned in today. We're going to be picking up our Sunday morning series called The Unseen Battle. We're going to be looking at the idea that the strains and struggles and stress of this life can impact our life because of the spiritual warfare that's happening in the heavenlies are the unseen places. We're going to be talking about how we can take authority over this and still have the joy and victory that Jesus has purchased for us. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned to the end for more information about our church. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we've been talking about the idea of the unseen battle, that there is a battle that takes place in this invisible world that we cannot see called the heavenlies. It's not the atmosphere, it's not the galaxy. There's a higher place in the heavens where angels and demons are warring against each other, but we see, we see the results, the manifestation, we see that battle being worked out in here, right? Someday, did you hear Scott say, I feel like somebody's trying to take me out. It's true. It's true. There's a war going on. The Bible tells us, Jesus told us that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So don't tell me this morning, hey, 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 Lucifer's not that bad. Yes, he is. He's terrible. Stay away. We, we got to be, be careful. We can't be mindful. And the one thing that the enemy would want you to do is to think less of him like he's not. But here's what we got to realize is that we're more powerful than him. You understand that? We've been intimidated. We've been pushed around by the enemy too long. It's got to stop. Church has been defeated. We're laying down. We're dying. We're weak. We're whiny babies. Instead of victorious warriors that we should be in the mighty name of Jesus. So we talked about what the battle is. We talked about how the battle began in the heavenlies when Lucifer said, I look good, I need to be God, and God said, you got to go. So he kicked him down to earth, and then we see the results of Lucifer trying to bring mankind down in the garden, right? Lucifer, the very first conversation in the Bible was basically, what's the truth? What did God say? People still asking the question, what did God say, right? Because we don't know the truth. Eve didn't know exactly what God had said, and then we begin, because of Genesis 3, we have what we have now, we have this fall, and therefore now we have redemption's plan of Jesus. And then last week we talked about the ways that the devil comes against us, right? He wants to deceive us. He wants to give us those terrible desires. Those desires lead to disobedience. Disobedience leads to death. Can I help you understand something? That the enemy wants to take as many people to hell as he can. Hell was never designed for people. The garden was for people. Can you hear that? The garden was for people, not hell. Hell was for the devil. That's his punishment. But if the devil can take some of God's created people with him, he in his mind, he's winning. So we got to make sure. This is why we got to spread the gospel. That's why we got to get the word out. We got to get the word out. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> now we're going to talk about. So some of you remember last week we made chocolate chip cookies. Joe said he wouldn't eat them. In fact, he told me not to bring any at the fellowship Friday night, so, <clears throat> so my chocolate chip cookie days are over. Last week, I basically brought a chocolate chip recipe on the screen, and we put in the flour, and we put in the eggs, and when it said oil, we put in motor oil. It's oil. Close enough. It said oil. We all saw that it said oil 
on the container that I poured it in. And so you think, watch this, just a little bit of the wrong thing can ruin the whole batch of cookies. So the enemy, enemy just wants you to compromise on one or two things. Right? That's where, that's where we're at in our culture today. This is okay, this is okay, this is okay. Hey, just, just turn the other way on this. Just ignore this. And we cannot do that. We cannot compromise. We cannot, we cannot go the, 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 the opposite way. We cannot, we got to be in God's word and God's truth. We got to know. So this week, I want to talk to you for just a minute about what happens if we eat those cookies. Right? Because here's the thing. You saw me put motor oil in it, and therefore you knew that cookie was bad. A lot of people don't know. And so they're consuming terrible product to their body. And you know what happens? You get sick when you live a life that's based on listen even a partial lie you get sick and look outside church we've got a morally sick world because everybody's wanted to do what they think is the truth everybody decide for yourself what the truth is you be you and we'll all get along it's a lie it's a lie. Everybody just drive whatever speed you want to today. Ignore stoplights and stop signs. You do you behind the wheel. That doesn't sound very good, does it? We know how that ends. And aren't we doing the same thing in our culture? It's okay. That'll be okay. That'll be okay. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. And now we have poison cookies we have a bad batch a recipe that's not pleasing and we've got a morally sick world but here's the good news church can I tell you something this will get the recipe right right here this is the right recipe right here and we have forsaken what God has said to kind of do our own thing we've got to get back to that let's let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and five. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. Oh, yeah. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Let's read it one more time. In fact, let's read it together. Is it on the screen? Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy. Somebody say stronghold. stronghold. Okay, here we go. Keep reading. We destroy arguments. <clears throat> now, go to Colossians chapter 2. We need to understand what a stronghold is in just a moment. We're going to talk about that. What does that mean, stronghold? Because we get wrapped up in this, and we need to know that we can overcome these strongholds. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to read 13 through 15. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Now I'll read this. Watch this. And you who were dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. 
One of my favorite verses in the Bible right here. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Watch. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. You understand that? He ha we have overcome, not us, but because of Christ, we have overcome the authorities that held us in captivity. Right? So don't let anybody ever tell you it's Jesus plus anything to get saved. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's always been just Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It's the blood. It's the blood. Don't think you can do anything to deserve it because you can't. You can't do it. You can't get there. The good news is he just hands it out to people who will believe in him. And he'll make us children of God. Think about that. I was born an enemy of God. He makes me a son of God. What amazing, amazing love. So let's look at a couple things real quick. Let's talk about strongholds just for a second. A stronghold is a mindset. It's a way of thinking that this thing will never change. You ever been stuck? You ever had a way of thinking? You ever thought this situation is never going to get better? I will always be captive to this. This will always have me prisoner. I will always be in this situation. I will always have this kind of thing about me that I know is not pleasing to God, but it's just who I am. It's become a stronghold. At some point in our life, let's use this example. Maybe when you were a child, your second grade teacher said something like this, hey, you're not very smart. In fact, you're pretty stupid. Now, aren't you thankful? Hopefully you never had that happen to you. But can I tell you, in that moment of time, that child becomes defined. They can easily believe that to be true. And the rest of their life, what do they feel about themselves? I'm stupid. Teacher told me I was. Right? Now, what the teacher you know, the teacher saw the wrong thing or just was negative. And so the idea there is that we put in a stronghold. We dig in roots right there. <coughs> a lot of you know, and maybe you can still hear it, but I'm from North Carolina. And I've tried for 21 or two, I don't know how long I've been here, years to shake this accent. But I can't do it. I can't do it. So we grew up. In a time in North Carolina, and I'm, I'm kind of old, I didn't grow up in a time of my life where dogs went in purses. <laughs> if you put your dog in a purse, that's fine. I'm not judging. But I didn't grow up in a, in a time of America or in my life and my family where like, hey, grab food, food, throw it in the purse, let's go to the grocery store. That just didn't happen. I didn't have a dog inside the house. That was new to me. First time somebody said, hey, let, I, I go into somebody's house, there's a dog. I'm like, what's a dog doing in the house? What's this about? Maybe you think, oh, no, he's a terrible person. I just grew up with dogs were outside, right? And I used to tell my parents something like this. It's cold outside. That's why they have fur, son. Well, what about, end of story, no questions. Now, if it was a really cold night in North Carolina, which really cold nights like 20, a really cold night in North Carolina, the dog could come into the back screen porch. 
that's a lot of grace, right? So we, we understand. So in the summertime, because our dogs were outside, it was not an unusual thing for our dogs to get ticks, right? You ever had a dog with a tick? And so it would be common practice for us to find a tick on a dog and get the tick off the dog. But how many of you understand? Has anybody ever done that? Anybody in the room ever done that? How many of you know that tick is locked in? That tick is dug in. In fact, I used that expression one time to my wife, and, our, our, and she was like, what? I said, that's in there like a tick on a dog. <laughs> and she said, what? <laughs> like, a, like a what? Like a tick on a dog. I mean, I say D-A-W-G. Y'all saying it wrong. That's all I'm saying. Like a tick on a dog, that thing's in there. And can I tell you, a lie from the enemy can stick to your soul like a tick on a dog. You think you're never going to change. This is never going to get better. This situation is unchangeable. The way you think about yourself, the way you think about the world. Some of you are still mad at God, and it's dug in like a tick on a dog. Because God didn't do what you thought he would do. So you decided in your mind to be angry. And the enemy fed that lie. You prayed, you believed God, and God didn't do what you thought. And so therefore the enemy whispered in your brain, he does not hear you when you pray. He does not hear you when you pray. And so what do you start doing? Stop praying. That thinking sunk into you like a tick on a dog. You got to say dog right now. Keep working at it, all right? That thinking. Now let me, let me give you a couple of examples. Okay, so some examples are like an addiction, a drug addiction, alcohol addiction, a sexual addiction. It's just who I am. It will never break free. Can I tell you, these lies are prison bars that are keeping you locked down. Your best life you're not getting to because you're believing lies. The enemy's whispering and talking to you, and you're agreeing with it. Now, what you have to understand is sometimes that lie you believed a long time ago, and you have to get to the root of it. You have to pull that lie up. It's always going to be this way. I've tried to break the drug addiction so many times. I'm just always going to be this way. That is a lie. There is more power in Jesus than in any drug earth has to offer. There is nothing in your life you can't overcome in the power of Jesus. Nothing. So don't let the enemy tell you, my marriage is always going to be terrible. That is a lie. My kids will never get saved. That's a lie. It's always going to be, my job situation will never get better. This will never work out. These are lies. They are prison bars that hold us back. How about this one? How about just relationships? Abusive, codependent. You'll never make it without this person in your life. Maybe somebody did something to you or hurt you in the past, and so you're still scarred by that, and it defines who you are. We've got to stop allowing our pain to define us, our past to define us. Jesus, what he does for you is greater than anything anybody could do to you. I'm going to say that one more time because, man, that'll pre, that dog will hunt. There's another one for you. My wife's like, what in the world? 
Well, I said North Carolina just went all redneck on you. I can't help it. Hey, so if you've ever seen Duck Dynasty, that's like my Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I'm saying? I was, growing up, I was like, Uncle Cy, what's up? How are you? That's the kind of way we were brought up, that hillbilly way. But so, so understand this. So listen, what Jesus has done for you is greater than what anybody can do to you. Stop blaming so-and-so from 1997 about the reason you are the way you are right now. God can break those chains in your life if you will allow it. But the enemy, but the enemy, he wants to keep you in prison. He wants you to be locked away because if you're locked away, he can't, God can't use you. If you have this defeatist attitude, if we just hunker down in a corner and say, I'm scared to do anything for God, the enemy wins. He keeps you bound up, and God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free today. How about loneliness, anger, unforgiveness, bitter, fear? How about just some false agreements like this? I have to do certain things. I have to be perfect. Right, I have to be liked by certain people. I'm, I'm unworthy of love. I'm hopeless. These are all lies. You understand that these are all lies that keep us bottled in and locked up. So, since we're talking about North Carolina today, just for a second. You got the, so two big things. So, we went to Grandma's house every weekend. That was a big deal. I grew up with a bunch of uncles and a bunch of cousins. So, it would be every Sunday afternoon at church, change clothes. Grandma's house. Grandma's house, back to church for Sunday night service. That's the way it was at my house. That's what we did. But Sunday afternoons was always at Grandma's house. If it had a ball and a bat, we were playing it. We'd take a tennis. If, if everybody forgot their stuff, it'd be a tennis ball and a stick. Whatever it could be, we like to play outside. We like to be outside. Our parents, my uncles and aunts and my grandmother, this was a time when they ran you outside. And then you'd come in, and Grandma would be like, what is wrong with you? Get outside. It's adult time. You can't come in here. Yeah, yeah, but, but Grandma, we, we own some water. Oh, there's a hose outside. The best hot copper tasting water you've ever tasted in your life. Come out of that hose. You're like, whoo, whoo, whoo. Like grinding your teeth on aluminum foil or something is what that water tasted like. But the big two big events every year was Christmas Eve, the whole family would gather, and then July 4th, that was the big one. July 4th was outside. Everything was outside. We made homemade ice cream. Don't plug that thing in. You churn it. You churn it. And the cousins, we'd all take turns till our arm gave out. Next. Next. So we was churning all afternoon for homemade ice cream. But the, fina the final act of the day was the men versus women softball game. We loved the softball game. It would be like the, the ladies versus all the men. It was just a great time. But one thing we'd eat outside, I'm going to say, I brought something for you. You know, for some reason, God's given me all these weird analogies lately. And they always involve food. I don't know why. <laughs> Probably because I like to eat a lot. So here's the deal. So... It would be outside. Now, this is, uh, some of y'all are like, oh, my Lord, he brought potato salad to church. Am I going to step on it? Oh, I better pick that up. I don't want ground potato salad. I shouldn't have put it back in there. We're not going to eat that. <laughs> hey, I'm a guy. That's what we do, okay? I, all right. 
hey, does every, any guy have a problem with what I just did? No, no, every guy. The lady's like, nasty. And the boy's like, what's the big deal? Ten-second rule, right? I mean, I'm about a 60-second rule, to be honest, so I ain't worried about it. If ain't nothing on it yet, it's in my belly, so that's all right. So potato salad outside. Now, we'd all have responsibilities, but as the food would come out to the table, some of us would be assigned fly duty. You'd be assigned fly duty. You better watch that food. You better keep the flies off that, because I don't know if you know this, but I'll give you a little science lesson. When a fly jumps on a piece of food, it's, number one, it's just nasty. For those of you who say it's not a big deal, he lands on a piece of food, and he's actually searching for liquid. If he doesn't realize there's any liquid there and he realizes he's landed on a solid, he gives that food a little something-something from his mouth to break down that food so that he can pull it up by his legs. That's what a fly does. Fly lands on the food, kind of feels around a minute. I'm trying to act like a fly right now. All right, so I better stop there. So, and he pulls it up. <clears throat> so you don't want fly on the potato salad. Amen. Some of y'all are like, I got to change my whole life right now based on what he just said. I'll be at the altar confessing I ate food with a fly on it. That's why you know, some of y'all are more grossed out of that than anything else. So the fly lens, so we have to, you've got to, you got to be on fly duty. Can I tell you, some of y'all need to get on fly duty for your heart. You need to get on fly duty for your heart because the enemy's trying to jump on there. And Jesus bought you potato salad. Can you hear that? And you let the flies on there to corrupt and to disrupt God's blessings in your life because you listen to the lies. The lies are flies. And so tomorrow morning you're going to get up and the devil's going to try to get you. The devil's going to try to get you. He's going to try to tear you down. He's going to try to make you think that Monday's not going to be a good day. Are you kidding me? I got potato salad. How can it not be a good day unless you allow the fly to jump on that and disrupt it. That's on you. Grandma made a potato salad, but fly duty's on me. You hearing that? You have a responsibility to say, shoe fly, don't bother me. You hearing that? We've got to operate in that way. So I want you to understand. So if you, now what, let's use this as an example. This is a good one. So I decide to take a break from fly duty. Because fly duty, you got to be on it, right? You don't, you don't want, so you have to be, you have to be intentional. Everybody hearing that? So I decide, I'm going to go over here and play with my Popeye spinach just for a second. Which if you don't know what this is about, check out a couple of weeks ago online, you'll hear about it. So in my, in my playing with my Popeye spinach, a fly jumps on it. And I go, that's just one. It's not a big deal. It's just one. Then what happens is this one fly somehow tells all the other flies this is a safe place. And before you know it, one fly is turned into 12. Now my thought is this. Oh, there's 12 flies on it now. Oh, well, I'll just eat something else. And we allow the flies to come in and rest on our potato salad and we do nothing about it. And now the potato salad is ruined because we weren't intentional about protecting the potato salad. Are you hearing that? 
We can't sit back and allow the enemy to dominate our thoughts in our life and to pull us down. You know what depression is and anxiety is and all these mental issues? It's allowing the enemy to come in and to dig in roots and to build a stronghold in our mind. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't take medicine. I'm not getting into all that. I'm saying, but when the enemy comes against you, some of you will wake up and have a terrible day, and then you'll just be down for days because you allow the enemy to dig in roots in your mind. But the Bible tells us that we have weapons. We have weapons for the tearing down of strongholds. God has given you weapons for tearing down strongholds. And it looks like this. It looks like this. And too long we've allowed the enemy to dominate our lives, to ruin our thoughts, to give us negative thoughts about ourselves and our situation. This is never going to get any better. I'm always going to be this way. The church, some of you even, I know you've been hurt by the church. And some of you come here today thinking, this church will eventually hurt me. It's a lie. Don't stand back waiting for flies to just come. Do something about it. Be proactive. Be intentional. Get it wrapped around your mind that we have weapons for the point, right? A stronghold is a fortress the enemy wants to build in your mind. It's a fly on your potato. It's a whole bunch of flies in your potato salad. Can we talk about swatting flies for a minute? Would that be all right? You might want to jot some of these down. I, I just thought we'd talk about fly swatting for a minute. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We've got that on the screen. It says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The first thing you've got to do is to remember who you are in Christ. I, 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 don't, I don't bow, put that verse back up. I, I, don't, I don't bow down to the enemy, right? I'm a chosen people. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. The enemy's constantly telling you, you're no good. You're not special. You're not, you're not loved. Are you kidding me? This is who I am. This is who I right? The truth is who I am. And here's what happens is we start trying to come up with our own truth about who we are, and the enemy can combat that real quick, but he can't combat this. He can't combat God's word. You throw him the word of God. You watch him run. You're right, you understand that. So you've got to know who you are in Christ. And then you've got to remember your authority. You have authority. Now let's think about this just for a second. We could talk about this for a minute. When God made Adam, God gave Adam dominion. Over what? Everything. And that includes Lucifer. That includes the angels. Look at Luke 19.10. Watch this. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, that's not quite the verse. That was another verse I was looking for. Uh, what's the verse? That's a good verse, by the way. But I'm wanting to think of, there's a verse that says we have authority over snakes and serpents. Do you remember that? Is that 9.10? Is that, somebody find that for me if you want to. Is it what? It's 10.19. 
My fault. My fault in the back. Can you find that real quick, Mike? Can you find Luke 10, 19? You got it? I want you to see this verse. Luke 10, 19. We have to understand that God has given us authority over our enemy. He's given us authority over our enemy. I'll just read it real quick out of here. Luke 10, 19 says this. We got it. Good. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. You have authority. You have to take it. When the enemy wants to pull you down, when the enemy wants to destroy you, when the flies come on the potato salad, you have to get out your fly swatter and say, listen, I've got authority over you. You can't talk to me like that, right? How many of you have seen the two-year-old run the show in Walmart, right? Mama, I want ten things on here. No, no, son, you can't have those ten things. Ah! Right? And so mama's like, okay, okay, okay. Now who's in charge? You understand? The enemy's telling you you're a loser. And you're going, yeah, that's probably right. Are you kidding me? You're not loved. What? All these lies. The enemy's feeding you. We have to take authority over this. How about this? I want you to understand this. Well, thinking about authority, what's this? Football, right? There's a six foot nine. 350-pound lineman, but he doesn't have authority. The short guy with the black and white stripes does. You understand? He can look at that giant of a man and say, get out of here. Golf off the field. You're, you're kicked out of the game, and the player has to do. Why? Because he's been robed in authority. Now, if I run onto the field dressed in regular clothes and say, hey, hey, you got to go to the locker room. You're too big guy's going to just pound me but the guy with the referee with the yellow uh, you know penalty flag in his back pocket with the hat he has authority you've been given authority you've been given rule over the enemy and all the forces of darkness you don't have to listen to that you don't have to listen to that voice and those thoughts and those things that are wanting to war against you and pull you down stop listening Start swatting. That's what we've got to do. We have to take authority. Let's look at James chapter 4. I'm going to read a few verses out of James chapter 4. It says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Somebody say more grace. More grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So here's what we got to remember. we got to rely on that greater grace. He gives more grace. So whatever your need is, there's enough grace to match it. Understand this, that the grace of God is greater than anything has ever done to you, any mistake you've ever made, 
any addiction you've ever believed that will never be broken, any lie you've agreed to. The grace of God is greater. You have power and authority over the, of the darkness, over your own vices, over all those things because of the grace of God. So the next thing you've got to do is surrender, right? We've got to surrender and commit to God. Now watch this just for a second. A lot of people say, all right, pastor, I'm hearing you. I know what I need to do. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to fix myself. First of all, I want to tell you, you cannot fix yourself. You, you can declare truth and you can swat flies, but it comes from surrendering to God. Grace comes. Power comes. When you understand, I'm not trying to fix the outside of me. I need to fix the inside of me. I need God's power to flow through me. Are you hearing that just for a second? So watch this. So it's, it's, it's the power of God in you working its way out. A lot of people say, I got to stop smoking, stop drinking, stop cussing. I got to stop watching stuff. I got to stop being negative. I got to stop. And there's just too many stops, and we can't get to them all. There's all these stops we can't get to them all. And what we need to do is say, God, God, I cannot do this without your power. See, then, see the other way, you're doing it in your power. If you would surrender to God, God, I cannot do this. God, I need you. God, I fall down and confess, God, I need your help. So I am surrendered to you. God, you fill me with your power. You give me your strength. And so then you let the inside of you work its way out of you. If we would start realizing that what the devil wants to do is impact the inside of you, but if you could take authority over the inside of you, your heart, your mind, your soul, your way of thinking, your way, and just flip it back and protect it and live in truth, then you could take that power from the inside, let it work its way out. Does everybody understand that the power of the resurrected one is inside of you? If you have Christ, let's not start thinking we all have different levels of Christ. We all have Christ in our heart. If you have Christ, and I'll say this real quick, I'll pause right here. If you don't know Jesus, you should get to know him. If you're trying to do life in your own strength and you're getting frustrated and you just can't make it, you're banging your head against the wall, it's because you are. And you always will. Until you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you have to say, God, I can't do this. God, I can't do that. I can't live this way anymore. I need you in my life. And he will surrender. When you surrender to him, he will fill you for his power. And then you will work it out with him. So then you draw near to God. You draw near to God. James said if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Now, does that mean coming to church, right? I'm drawing near this morning. I'm telling you drawing near to God has to happen daily. The enemy's got you convinced that you being here this morning, you're good for the week, and you're not. Some of you are going to go eat lunch today, and that's a beautiful thing. But if you didn't eat again until next Sunday, you're going to be weak. You're going to get hungry. I'm not sure why we think that's different than the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You've got to eat, Christian. You've got to eat, believer. You've got to feast on the Word of God. You've got to get in the Spirit of God. You're going to have to have some Jesus in you every day or the enemy wouldn't the enemy attack when you're the weakest? Absolutely. So we have to draw near to God. And then we have to repent. James 4, 8, 9 talks about repenting. We've got to admit our wrongdoing. We've got to admit our sins and our flaws. And we've been trying to do things our own self and our own power. Hey, church, I want to encourage you something. We got to start. We got to start swatting some flies. We got to start swatting some flies. We've allowed the enemy too much territory 
Last week I talked about the cat. Remember that? You can't allow things in your heart, in your life, in your mind. You can't allow. You just can't sit back and say, oh, well, it's just a few flies. It's still nasty. And we have to do something about it. We have to confess and we have to learn to resist. So now watch this. Here's the promise. If we resist the devil, what's the promise? He'll flee. So I, we, so let's think about this for a second. So you're like, all right, pastor, I get it. I got to get the flies off my potato salad. I, I've got my fly swatter in my hand. And so here's what we do. We just sit around and play with our fly swatter. And the flies come. And we're equipped, but we're not doing anything about it. Make it any fly by following that? And it's time you've got to start swatting some flies. You've got to start being aggressive with some. You hearing that? Right? The devil says, you're, you're nothing, you're hopeless. I don't think, that, I don't think that's right. See, see I've I got to start declaring to God the truth about who you are. I'm blood bought. I'm bought with a price. I'm forgiven. I've been clean. Devil, you have no right. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm a child of God. I've been forgiven. You can't hold my past over me. I'm forgiven. It's under the blood. Are you hearing this? You have to be intentional about swatting some flies. You have to get after it with the truth. You can't say anything like this. I'm a good person. I'm doing the best I can. I try to keep my life clean. I try. No, no, no. That's your authority. You have no authority except through Christ. Your authority over your enemy comes from Jesus. And so we have to take that authority. We have to start declaring truth. And can I tell you, here's what will happen. You saw it happen with Jesus in the wilderness. The devil will flee. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee. So, hey, I, I just want to ask you real quick. Why are you allowing the flies on a potato salad? Why, why would you do that? Why would you allow that? Unless, number one, you just don't know what to do or we're just too lazy to start swinging. It's time. It's time. Cause I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I know it's just potato salad. Some of you are like, I don't know why you use potato salad. I don't even like potato salad. Could have used some fried chicken or something, anything besides potato salad. What I'm saying to you is God has purchased for you in Christ a victorious life. Take it. Live it. Own it. Have the joy. Have victory. Have peace. But instead, no, 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 the church is running around. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when gas is going up? Do you know who's in the White House? Taxes, disease, sickness. And we just, we whining, moaning around. And we've got the Savior of the world living in our hearts. You ought to be dancing on Monday morning. Because you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. Right? And, and, and I'll just settle this right quick. It, it, I, I could care less what happens in Washington because I know what's going on in Capitol Hill, the universe. It's heaven. And Jesus is under control. He's got it. So I ain't worried about it. I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to ignore it and stick my head in the sand. But at the same time, nothing on the news is going to take my joy. I've been purchased. I've been bought. I belong to God. I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven. I belong to God. I love him and he loves me. He knows what I've done and he still loves me. Hey, i got to dance a little bit. I need to get some joy. So we need to be dancing and swatting. That's pretty good, I have to admit. 
we got to start dancing and start swatting. I'm tired of the flies at the picnic. He's trying to ruin your picnic, the devil is. And we sit back and let him do it. And you've got the fly swatter in your hand. You've got the truth. You've got the power. You've got the spirit of God. Don't allow the dog to tell you what to do. You've got to go. And he's going to start talking to you. You're going to walk in the car and say, Pastor, that ain't possible. You can't do that. There ain't no way you can have that kind of... Shut up! I know that may be bad words to some of you. I'm sorry. You got, to tell, you got to talk to the devil like who he is, and he's a liar and a scoundrel, and he's a dog. And you can't allow him to tell you anything about yourself. God defines you, not your enemy. You hearing that? You hearing that? Would you bow your heads? Just close your eyes. Oh, God's, God's got a picnic for you. He has a table laid out. What a spread. The Father has prepared for those that love him. And he wants you to eat and be full and be satisfied. But I want to encourage you today to get out your fly swatter, to take authority, to start declaring the truth about yourself, that you're redeemed, loved, chosen, blood-bought, forgiven. I can do all things. You can't do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We've got to start owning the devil instead of the devil owning us. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Faith Community Church is located at 6801 South East Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. We are on the south side of Indy on the corner of US 31 and Southport Road. For more information about our church, please go to www.fccindianapolis.com. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., Sunday nights at 6 p.m., and midweek services as well. We have activities and studies for all ages. We have something for your entire family. Come be a part of our family. We would love to see you sometime. Have a blessed day and always remember that Jesus changes everything.